welcome folks to the week two take the points college football podcast we are back we had a great week one we're recording on a wednesday night i mean with lsu and clemson just playing a couple days ago it feels like the the week just barely ended and we're back at it already i want to introduce my co-hosts ryan and dan we're going to talk about the most important game of last week no i'm not talking about ohio state notre dame I'm not talking about Oregon, Georgia. This is a gambling show. We're going to start by talking about North Carolina versus Appalachian State. Dan Partridge, take it away. We called this one as an over, and it went slightly over. Uh, as expected, Tom, with Gene Chizik running the defense for North Carolina, no lead is safe. He gave up six touchdowns in the fourth quarter to App State. First team in FBS history to score 40 points in the fourth quarter. And still won uh, four touchdowns in the last minute 40 of the game. Um, go ahead and bet North Carolina overs all year. Maybe not this week, uh, which we'll talk about later. But oh, for the d- most part, they're hard disagree. Okay, or not. Just go ahead and bet it. <laughs> hard um, disagree. But uh, there's going to be some 80, 90, 100 point games for North Carolina um, going forward. And their quarterback looked really good, too. So, um yeah, North Carolina overs are the are, are just amazing. So that was a lot of fun, and uh, I was happy to hit that one on the head last week. Ryan, what would you like to talk about? Georgia was ridiculous. Like they're really, really good. Um, Florida State. <laughs> that's uh, and Florida. Those are the two teams that uh, walking away from week one after watching them. I was like, okay. They're they're moving in the right direction. These programs seem like they're getting on track to get back to where they belong. Um, you know, the U this week is going to have a, another opportunity to, to take someone behind the woodshed as well. So my takeaway is the state of Florida football could potentially be back. Yeah, and UCF back in the conversation also. Oh, yes. I want to say this. However, there's some that are, that are not. We'll get to him later. I want to say this before we move on from Georgia. I want to say this unironically for one week and maybe the only time I'll ever be able to say this unironically. Stetson Bennett for Heisman, baby. Week one. Accurate. I was trying to think. I, of I don't I don't think that's a hyperbole or an exact like that's that's reasonable. That is a bet I would make. If, yeah. the, if I mean, people say this is a joke, but like if we gave the Heisman out after week one, that's my choice right there. And I hope he keeps this up. I hope he keeps up the numbers. And I don't think a walk-on's ever won the Heisman, right? I mean, maybe. Um, Baker Mayfield, back. technically. Technically, Baker Mayfield yeah. was a walk-on at Oklahoma when he transferred out of Texas Tech because, you know, he's a bitch. But. Yeah, so technically he was a walk-on that won that won a Heisman. Okay, well there goes that theory. Although I don't technically count him, and I'm also I'm sure that if we went back in history, the long history of college football, there would be like 47 walk-ons who won between the the years of like 1892 and you know 1948. So yeah, it's like yeah, the guy who walked on after you know leaving the army from World War One, you know, walked on to temple 
and won a Heisman. Great. Yeah. In the modern era, though, I, I think there would be no parallel to Stetson Bennett or I, there really is no parallel to Stetson Bennett and what he's accomplished as a you know walk on. So anyway, he rules. Uh, he's awesome on and off the field, and I hope he continues this and wins the Heisman. That's what I'm saying. I don't know if that'll happen, but that is my hope for this season. Anything else that stood out to either of you guys that you want to talk about from week one? Brian Kelly, Clemson, anything? Yeah, I'll talk about something real quick, um, if you don't mind. Uh, there are there was some horrible coaching that went down. Um, Neil Brown, West Virginia was bad. Uh, our favorite coach of Illinois, uh, who had a stranglehold on Indiana the whole game, the, the, the whole game and decided to play zone prevent defense. North Carolina's coaching, just some really, really bad stuff. And, um, you know, we say it every year, college football, I think coaching is more important than it is in the NFL. And you see it year over year. And, uh, it was evident in week one. So I was uh, flirting with a perfect bet card on the weekend and uh, Ohio state lost, although they played well enough where they probably could have covered the 18, you know, with a couple luckier breaks. Um, but you know, that's a loss. And then Illinois really choked it away for me. I had them winning outright and uh, they probably should have, but with Bielema and Tommy DeVito, you know, that one's on me. That's what you get. Yep. You have to stay away. So it was a stay away. I, I was this close to betting it. And I'm like, if this loses, I'm going to be mad at myself. <laughs> it's, it's all, I was all over Indiana last week on take points, <laughs> yeah, folks. Let's go. This is why I love doing the show. Like DeVito. we are, we get as animated about Tommy DeVito playing Indiana as we do about like Ohio state, Notre Dame. Yeah. Like more, my Alabama, Texas pick for this week it's going to be 30 seconds, but I got a lot to say about some other games that no one cares about. All right, folks. So funny. We've got all of our famous segments coming up. Uh, the coach's restaurant is coming up. The tarmac. Usually it comes up. That's up to Ryan. That's always a surprise. Historical NIL deals coming up. Frost advisory. We'll see. Uh, but I think the best thing to do, let's start with some lines, Dan. It's uh, a weak week, but there are a lot of fun things to talk about. So let's have some fun this week. All right, Tom. Sounds good. Friday night, let's start it off. Louisville at Central Florida. Uh, Central Florida minus five and a half with uh, a total of 61 and a half. They got John Mason Pumley, the old Miss transfer at quarterback going against Louisville. Ryan, more embarrassing loss for Louisville. Opening the season last year against Ole Miss, losing by 63 points, or losing to Dino Babers in the Dome by 24 points? Well, that's an easy answer. That would be this year in the Dome, getting dome-dogged all day. And <laughs> you know what? I can't wait. Let's go. Let's get into the tarmac, folks. It's we, I just can't wait. I got to get right into it. Dan's already alluded to another one, so we're just going to jump right in. Number five on the tarmac, that coward in Morgantown. Oh, Neil Brown, I put you on the watch list last week. I told you I was going to give you one week to prove that hiring Graham Harrell was going to change your pussy ways, and it didn't. 
And for that, you're on the tarmac. You're done. All right. Number four. Oh, boy. Well, I kind of set myself up earlier when I said the state of Florida was back because there's still one loser in town. Florida Atlantic, Willie Taggart, welcome back again. Every year you make it with a different program because you keep getting hired. You lost to Ohio University last week. Three win Ohio University from last year. Three. And you lost to them. And you have Florida talent. Oh, boy. Oh, Willie. I hope you're, uh, I hope you have a good realtor, man. Sorry, let me chime in. Uh, I was looking at the bets this week and I, I didn't know much about Ohio this year. Looking at that Penn State game, I'm like, let's see if this line's accurate. And I, I look it up and I'm like, oh, uh, you know, forgetting what, uh, who's coaching everywhere. I look that up. I'm like, oh, they won against Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic's pretty good. Uh, Ohio shouldn't be this much of an underdog. And then I was like, oh, wait. Taggart. Oh, Taggart. All right. Number three, moving on. The aforementioned Scott Satterfield. Oh, boy. What, like, who's a bigger embarrassment to Kentucky, him or Mitch McConnell right now? God. They're both bumbling losers. Satterfield. God. Yep. Seven points. Wasn't there this dark horse Heisman talk before the season that that lasted all of a quarter and a half? Like what a joke. That guy is just ruining, ruining the quarterback's career. Like just seven points against Syracuse in the dome, dome, turf, no weather. Like, wow. So bad. Number two. Speaking of so bad, he's going to get blowed out this week. Herm Edwards, you got your <laughs> win last week against Northern Arizona, but you're not fooling anybody. You are on a hotter seat than everybody in Arizona, especially the hot seat I had to sit in at the golf course the other day. 112 degrees on the course Monday afternoon at 3 o'clock, sitting down on that vinyl seat in the golf cart was oh the worst perm your seat's way hotter than that buddy way hotter and of course at number one as always as expected mr frost congratulations on the win you barely beat the third best team of the dakotas (laughs) the third best program of the Dakotas. You barely squeaked it out. Congratulations. You might have snuck out a win, but you're not sneaking off the tarmac. Back to you, Dan. Well done, Ryan. Um, <laughs> just to talk about the line in this game, um, I'm going UCF. Uh, they looked great last last week. They're at home. Makes sense for Louisville to start 0-2. Um, I'm not touching the over based on what I saw with uh, the Louisville offense. So I like uh, UCF. Tom? A couple things unrelated to the line of this game. Number one, 
you know Louisville did a horrible job when we had multiple friends texting us how SU football is back and how we need to go to a game. <laughs> I'm like, you guys, let's wait one more week before we make that kind of proclamation. Uh, let's see how they do it against the mighty Yukon. Uh, and then I guess number two, um, I was going to do our frost advisory segment, but I don't know what else I can add to that, Ryan. Suffice it to say that uh, Big Ten teams playing Dakota teams did not fare well. So shout out to the Dakotas for embarrassing the Big Ten. All right, we're moving on to Saturday. Uh, We're not going to mess around. Let's go right at it. Alabama Crimson Tide at Texas Longhorns. Alabama minus 20 points, total 65 and a half. Tom, go ahead. Start this one. Sure, I'll be very quick, and then I'll turn it over to you guys for more thoughtful analysis. Talked about it last week. Talk about it every season in the first month of the season. SEC team versus team from elsewhere in the country that you know is supposedly back or good or supposedly can compete or is on the same level. And what happens? Georgia beats Oregon by 45 points, et cetera, et cetera. Give me Alabama all day long. One of my favorite bets of the week. It's creeping up. I mean, we're getting to the point at 20 and a half points right now where I don't love it, but there's no way in hell you'll get me to bet Texas until I actually see something on the field that leads me to believe they can compete. I do like Sark. I do like Quinn Ewers. I like their future prospects, but in this match, Alabama all day, every day. Dan, Ryan. Ryan. Well, the easy answer for me is just way, way, way over. This is not enough points. Bama's going to score. Texas hasn't proven they can stop anyone in three years. But Texas can score too. And so I like the over a lot. I uh, I agree with the over. Uh, Alabama's going to score. Texas can score. And... You're going to be shocked at this pick, but I like Texas plus 20. Uh, Alabama's played Texas nine times in history. Alabama has one win. The only time they beat them is when they injured Colt McCoy in the first quarter of the national title game. Yeah, Marcel Darius. (laughs) History's on Texas's side. A backdoor's on Texas's side. Why not? It's not going to be a big bet, but because I want to root for Texas to pull a historic upset, I'm going to make a very, 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 very small bet on Texas just for rooting interest. And I'll take Texas plus 20 with a larger bet on the over. So that's what I'm going to do on Saturday. Okay. Best of luck Moving to you, Dan. Best of luck in your future endeavors. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm not saying to follow what I'm doing. I'm just telling you what I'm doing. All right. Let's continue on. Again, uh, week's late this week, but we'll just pick some spots and talk about a little – a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Arkansas, home against South Carolina. Arkansas minus eight, total 53. Uh, Arkansas covered um, the spread exactly against Cincinnati last week. Um, South Carolina does transfer in Spencer Rattler, and uh, they are getting eight points. Ryan, what do you like in this one? I love the under. 53 points. This is an SEC matchup. I am fading Spencer Rattler until he proves that he can competently play quarterback. I don't believe it. 
I think he's going to be transferring to another school at the end of this season at a low level. So, yeah, I'm going to take the under in this one. Very good. Z. Uh, before I start, let me just um, remind people, if, especially if you're listening new this year, about something we call the Zach Mills Award because it's going to come up frequently this season. Uh, the Zach Mills Award, named after uh, early 2000s quarterback Penn State, is uh, or I can't speak English. Early 2000s Penn State quarterback Zach Mills, most famously, aside from you know leaving football and becoming a professional gambler, the other thing he's known for is being excellent his freshman year and getting a little bit worse each year. And so we give this award to the quarterback who shows potential and then just seems to get worse every single year. So Rattler, you're on a watch list for this, but there are a lot of other guys. He's only about fifth on the list for this season. So I want to bring that up because I have a feeling we're going to mention it a lot this year. Uh, As far as this game, I actually, I bet Arkansas last week, they covered, but barely, I felt like, you know, Cincinnati exposed them is the wrong word, but like Cincinnati showed me with their performance and the way they hung around that Arkansas is properly rated around 17, 19. They're not really a top 10 caliber team and they weren't quite as good as we had hoped, you know, built them up to be last week. So eight points in an SEC matchups, a little too much for me. Uh, I'd take an under with Ryan um, and I'd stay away from the line on this one. I do like Arkansas to win, but that's just too many points until they improve in several areas. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Moving on. The aforementioned Ohio at one and no travels to happy Valley to take on Penn state, Penn state with a nice little win over Purdue pulling it out. Uh, Penn State minus 25 and a half, total 54. Let's send it to our resident Penn State expert, Tom Z. Uh, So earlier today before this podcast, I was taking a walk with my kids and I was wearing my Penn State hat and some guy stopped me on the street and was like, Penn State. I was like, oh, you, you a fan? You know, and he turned out he went there. I was like, hey, did you have a heart attack last Thursday too? He's like, oh yeah. <laughs> So uh, that's just how it's going to go until Drew Aller takes over for Sean Clifford. Uh, I don't think you can lay this many points. Um, Ohio, as we mentioned, overrated because their win was against Willie Taggart. But the reason I wouldn't lay the points with Penn State is because I believe Penn State has uh, Auburn coming up next week, a big game in the South, in Auburn. And uh, what they really need to work on this week, and I believe they will work on against a lesser opponent, is their run game their offensive line and their, you know, uh, run defense, especially at the linebacker positions. So all of that, of course, would indicate a lower scoring game. So if anything, I'll lean an under can't take the points with Ohio when they're only wins over Taggart can't lay the points with Penn state when they're just too shaky in, uh, you know, the run game. And when Clifford is just all over the place. So under, I think is your best bet of this game. Sounds good to us. All right, moving on. North Carolina at Georgia State. North Carolina minus seven and a half, total 64 and a half. All right. Vegas wasn't, was not screwing around and opened this total. Let Dan Dan make his case so that we can then tear him down. (laughs) Okay, please. Thank you. Vegas said, all right, fuck this. And they opened the total at 69, even though Georgia State is a team that only runs the football. 
Um, it's been hammered down to 64 and a half. Uh, a game like this should not go over, seeing that the problem with North Carolina's defense is their secondary. However, their quarterback does have nine passing touchdowns in two games, and Gene Chizik. So, you know what? I'm on board with you guys. Just go ahead and bet the over. Who gives a shit? I mean, if if you lose, at least you're on the right side. 64 and a half. I mean, hell, North Carolina might score 56 themselves. They're crazy enough. Yes. Um, Ryan, go ahead. 56-23. Let's do this thing. That's <laughs> correct. Dan, you stumbled onto the correct answer at the end there, which is that North Carolina is going to almost cover this themselves. So... They'll get in the fifties. If Georgia could stake and contribute 20, then we're good. And after what we've seen for two weeks, you just can't not do this. This is North Carolina is like those Baylor teams from 10 years ago. Like you just have to bet the over. You don't don't even have to look. What was it? 124 points last game. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. So they could score half. slightly over 56. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think okay, they're going to put um, up 123 this week, but I think, you know, 70 sounds good. Very possible. Chizik. He may not make it to Halloween, but it'll be fun while it lasts. Spill it. We've um, had, we've, sorry, right. we've had assistant coaches on the tarmac report before, right? Yeah, I've snuck a few in. All, all I'm Chizik, saying is, if, if, you know, if you can make room, find it in your heart to add one assistant coach, Gene, Chis- Gene, the chicken man, Chizik. Words of Chisdom, Tom, words of Chisdom. Now, Dan, I, w- I want to uh, interrupt again slightly. You know, we talked about Penn State. Penn State's got Auburn next week, going down to Auburn. Auburn has kind of an inconsequential game that we don't really need to talk about. However, we do need to talk about the team, and I will turn it over to you. For the reason why. Thanks, Tom. Brian Harson. Um, he actually is a hundred percent getting fired at the end of the year. I, I, I think it's so obvious that even Ryan finds no need to even put him on the tarmac report because they they basically tried to fire him in the off season. Like all the people who invest in the program tried to, they just couldn't find a coach, and they're like, "All right, fine, you can go back to work." So. I've I've, I've been reading. I'm so sorry, but I've been reading Auburn comments and message boards, and uh, they're saying that they think that he's being set up to lose the Penn State game, and then he'll be fired after Penn State. Like if this Northern team comes down and beats them, and that's it. Like they, I think they kind of want that to happen. Uh, absolutely they do. So I mean, let's, let's say he's, football. I mean, let's say he's fired, Dan, what's a coach to do? <laughs> well, if you're fired, it's time to go work in the restaurant biz. So this week we got Brian Harson at Auburn. If he gets fired, where would he work? Well, this is an easy decision. You just need to look at history. He would follow the Gene Chiswick plan and work at Louis chicken fingers in Auburn, Alabama. Let me tell you a little about Louis Chicken Fingers. It's a low-level, half-ass fast food joint that serves chicken, catfish. It's overpriced. It's questionable. Uh, it's just a. It's it's just very underperforming. And that's where Brian Harsons is. I mean, this is Auburn. I mean, they were on sanctions back in the '90s. Went undefeated. They've sent they've sent countless people to the NFL. Running backs, 
quarterbacks, defensive line, secondary. They're in the same state as Alabama, but Alabama is light years ahead of them. Uh, Louis Chicken Fingers, let's just take a look at this menu here real quick. Uh, you got your cheese sticks, your jalapeno poppers, chicken tenders, chicken wing plate. A three-piece catfish plate is going to run you $17.55. I think that's a little expensive, uh, questionable, much like a lot of the Brian Harson's coaching decisions. So, real easy. You coach head, you're the head football coach at Auburn. You get fired. You go down the street to Louis. You work there for a while. And then you go run the defense at North Carolina and give up <laughs> 70 points a game. So, natural progression for Brian Harson. Uh piece of cake for him so brian harson louis chicken fingers and if i'm ever in alabama you bet your ass i'm going to make a stop at louis chicken fingers and check that place out so um that's it dan how how does one make fast food catfish you know i don't know what i'm talking about but i don't often go to mcdonald's or wendy's and see them handling live fish in the back there's no live fish going on at Louis Tom. They're getting in frozen catfish from their food distributor. They thaw it out and throw it. Uh, and actually, it probably already comes with uh, like a panko crust on the outside. So literally, out of the box, frozen, dropped right in the deep fryer. Like it's, I mean, anyone can do it. It's the easiest thing in the whole world. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's actually so easy that it requires a head coach of Auburn football in order to perform that task. And that shows you what level the program's at right now. In in a way, Brian Hartson coming from Boise down there, you could say that they plucked him out of the freezer and threw him directly into the hot fryer. He is the, he day, truly Tom. is the fast food catfish of the college football world. <laughs> well done, Tom. Speaking of catfish, let's move on to Marshall Notre Dame. Oh, Here we Christ. go. <laughs> Very nice, Dan. Best segue possible. Uh, Notre Dame minus 20 and a half, total of 51. This is really easy. Uh, I think the under is is a stone lock in this game. Uh, Notre Dame's offense is not good. Just like Brian talked about last week, Notre Dame looked good for the first drive or two because they had a script offense. After that, they didn't move the ball for the last 50 minutes of the game against Ohio State. Their defense played very well, uh, and they're coached by a defensive uh, head coach and Freeman. Marshall on the road, they're no good. I think 51 is, is a nice number. I think Notre Dame wins this game something like 27 to 10 is probably my guess. So I'm a big fan under this game. Tennessee at Pitt. Fantastic game right here. Tennessee minus six, total 66 and a half. Uh, Tennessee blew out uh, their, what, Mac opponent, I think, uh, in the first week. Scored a billion points. Pitt had an instant classic against West Virginia. Um, you know, as expected, Pat Narduzzi, you have no idea what to expect. It was like 0-0 end of the first quarter. Game ends with 69 points. Coming from behind, defensive touchdowns, long touchdowns, giving up stupid plays. Um, you know, classic nard dog, basically. Um, this is interesting. Um, this line, I think, opened around three. It's been steamed up to six. Um, Ryan, take this one. Over. Nard dog overs. 
that's it's to this. I mean, I think Tennessee's going to score. I think Tennessee's going to score probably pretty good amount on in this game. They're going to get into the upper thirties. I think easily. I think Pitt's going to be able to put up some points, high twenties, low thirties, potentially themselves. So for me, I'm taking an over in this. The, the line shifted so much. I liked the three. I don't like the six. So I'm going to stay away from that and just root for wildness and points. And hang on, let me point out one other thing. How cool and weird and funny is it that in a week where Texas plays Alabama and Pitt plays Tennessee, the Pitt-Tennessee game is where there's two ranked teams, but in Texas, Alabama, not two ranked teams. How weird is that? Like, really odd. Very strange. Very strange indeed. Tom. Well, yeah, I mean, first off, this feels like a 37-34 type game to me, so I'll take an over, and then um, tough to get a feel, but I think I'll just go with the theme of the show, the name of the show, and I'll just take the points. If you're giving me six points with two teams that I think are pretty evenly matched, uh, I actually kind of think Tennessee is going to win this one outright, Uh, but it's going to be close, and uh, I like Hendon Hooker more than I like uh, Keaton Slovis. I don't trust Nard Dog at all. And so that's kind of the, I guess, slight edge that I see for Tennessee. Um, not to mention, you know, SEC versus ACC. So 3734 UT. I agree with Ryan. Over, no idea who wins and by how much. So staying away from that. Um, real quick, another one I, I liked, oddly enough, Washington State at Wisconsin. Wisconsin minus 17 and a half, total 49. I like the over in this game, too. It's in the 40s. Washington State really can't play a lot of defense. They have uh, Cam Ward at quarterback who can put up some backdoor points, or I think they're going to spray Wisconsin out and throw it every single play. They had kind of a fluky first half last week. I was really interested to watch them play. But then they rolled in the second half and scored on just about every possession and had a ton of yards. So 49. I think in college, that's uh, very doable. I like the over in that game. We don't need to talk about it. I do want to talk about this one briefly. Colorado at Air Force. Air Force minus 17 and a half, total 49 and a half. Ryan, great call last week with TCU. Colorado is the worst Power 5 school in the country by a mile. I will take Shianu and Rutgers over them. I will take Duke over them. I will take, uh, yeah, anyone. They're, they can't even play football. They are a total joke. I think they're going to go winless over this year, in fact. So, therefore, lay the 17 and a half with Air Force at home confidently. They will score in just about every possession. And I think that's all we really need to say about that game. Okay, uh, moving on. Houston and Texas Tech. This is another fun one. Uh, Texas Tech at home, minus three, total 63. Houston played a crazy three-overtime game last week against UTSA. Texas Tech's uh, quarterback, the Oregon transfer, Tyler Slow or Slaw, whatever, he got hurt in the second series. The backup came in, and they scored a touchdown on every single drive. They didn't punt the ball. The, they, they, they didn't play uh, they didn't punt once, and um, – He's out again this week. I don't think it really matters. Total's only 63. 
I think you know where I'm going with this one. Houston, Texas Tech, down south, over. Uh, one of my favorite plays of the week. You guys got anything to say on that one? I like Texas Tech minus the three. Nice. Yeah, I like Texas Tech. They made a great uh, coaching hire, and they've been really funny on social media. Um, I don't know if you've seen some of the Texas Tech stuff, but they, they, they make some great, hilarious videos. Follow Texas Tech football official. They're, 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 they're basically trying to be a cool program, which is really good. And the opposite of the Houston-Texas Tech game, which Tom gets to talk about, Iowa-Iowa State. Yes. Total 40, 40, 40 and a half. Four zero and a half. Iowa minus three and a half at home. Tom, go right ahead. This is right up your alley. Oh, this is like full D-Gen mode coming on. First off, this is way too high for these teams. Way too high. This game is going to be... Listen, I expect a scoring frenzy in the third quarter. It's going to end 13 to 10. Iowa State's going to win this one outright. If you bet on Iowa... You're insane. Uh, first off, we talked about Kirk Ferentz. I alluded to the fact that he deserves an honorary tarmac mention for beating South Dakota State 7-3. to That's seven with a field goal and two safeties. People were joking, but it's not even a joke that like the best offense they had is when they turned, they fumbled the ball inside the 10. And uh, I was on Twitter at the time and people are like, oh, that's a good, that's their best move. Now they can get another safety. And then two minutes later, they get another safety. So when your best offensive move of the whole game is fumbling inside the opponent's 10, uh, that's not great. They can't score. For those who watched the opening (laughs) night Penn State-Purdue game, you know, Charlie Jones, Chuck Sizzle, which is a great college football nickname. People saw him tearing it up for Purdue against a pretty good Penn State defense. Well, uh, he's an Iowa transfer. And what did he do in Iowa last year when they were actually ranked number three in the country? Pretty much jack shit most of the year uh, because their passing game so <laughs> inadequate. He goes to Purdue, a team with Brom and uh, Aiden O'Connell, and he looks like, you know, the next coming of Wes Welker. So it's a uh, program issue as opposed to personnel. It's coaching issue. Iowa's good every other year and they were, you know, I guess you'd call them good last year. Um, so this is a down year. They're going to finish like, thank thank God for Scott Frost. They're not going to finish last in the Big Ten West, but they're going to finish in the bottom half of the Big Ten West, I think. And uh, you just cannot bet on them. Iowa State is going to win this game straight up by three. You're getting somehow three and a half, which is an insane, like Dan, you're the Vegas outsider. Can you explain that line to me? No. Makes no sense. I love the three and a half. I totally agree with you, Tom. I mean, did Iowa State, like half of their team, just get food poisoning or something yesterday that I'm not aware of? No, not at all. In fact, their offense looked looked, uh, improved from last year. Even without uh, Brock Purdy and Brees Hall, they looked good last week. Their new quarterback only had four incompletions and three touchdowns. So Yeah, I mean, you know, they seem like a standard, you know, above – you know, average to above average Iowa state team versus this Iowa team seemed awful. Uh, you know, I know the defense will be there and so they could always win with some weird fumbles or plays, or it could be like last year where they just seem to have like eight interceptions every single game. So there are ways Iowa can win, but from a betting perspective, I would bet on the team that 
has an offense versus the, the team that literally has none. Very good. Moving along. Thank you. Going on to a great game. Kentucky at Florida. Florida at home minus six, 52 and a half. The Billy Napier era is off to a nice start with a win over Utah. They just barely hung on, but hey, they hung on. Uh, Anthony Richardson looks amazing. Did you know that um, Billy Napier has the eighth highest win percentage in all of college football right now? Uh, of all the active coaches. And that includes a couple of play- t- coaches who are like one and oh as well. Um, I think the state of Louisiana, the state of Louisiana is a little bit mad that he's not the LSU coach uh, today. Um, then you got Kentucky, you got Will Levis, crazy, eating uh, coffee or drinking coffee with mayonnaise and eating bananas with the peel on. Weird guy, Tom. Um, well, he's from he's from Connecticut. Yeah, well, there you go. Total 52 and a half, opened at 47. I tried to bet it at 47, and they didn't post it on the website I've been using. And then I came back an hour later, and it was at 51 and a half. I'm like, son of a bitch. Uh, anyway, I still like the over. I think both teams can score. Um I'm, I'm not comfortable laying the six with Kentucky. They, they with, you know, with Florida, they might, there might be a back or maybe a close game. Kentucky could win outright. I have no idea, but um, I'm definitely not betting an under. Uh, I'll take it over for sure. Ryan, go ahead. I know you want this one. It's just, it's, you know, you just said it. It's an easy over bet for me. Um, I think Florida kind of got it out of their system last week. An amazing win, like amazing game. What a great, great, great college football game. Great for both teams. And despite the loss, Kyle Whittingham scheduling at Florida, not one of those bullshit neutral games. He's like, no, we'll go to the swamp from Utah. Like, that's a a win. So uh, I love the over in this game. Like you said, Dan, Levis is crazy. He'll chuck it all over the place. Kentucky thinks they're better. They, you know. They think that they're the better team, and so they're going to play that way. So I like the over in this game. I'm going to stay away from uh, either side, but I am going to take the over. Sounds good. Tom, you got anything on this one? Yeah, I'll, I'll take Kentucky with the six. Uh, I think um, Florida looked good and showed flashes of brilliance, but I also think um, Utah could have won that game with you know a couple different plays, and uh, they, in a way, sort of let it slip. I mean, not to take much away from Florida, but – I feel like Kentucky's as good as Utah this year and they'll go in there and keep it close and maybe even win outright. So give me Kentucky. Kind of agree with you, Tom. Uh, if I have to pick a side, which I probably will, I'll probably take Kentucky. Uh, I might do a, um, uh, a uh, teaser and take Kentucky plus 12 and over like 46, something like that. All right. Game of the week. Obvious Syracuse at UConn. I should be there to go to wrench Lear with you, Tom, but unfortunately we didn't make it happen. Syracuse has been steamed up from 18 all the way up to 23. Total of 49. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, well, you know, it should be a full house at Rentschler Field this Saturday, a.k.a. 2,500 fans. 1,500 of them being from Syracuse, including my uncle and cousin. Uh, I thought about going to this game with them, but I was like, then I can't watch good games on TV. So it was one of those tough, tough call. I may go over and just tailgate and then leave and not go to the game in classic UConn fashion. 
Syracuse, obviously the better team. Um, UConn is not good, but they're better under Mora, and at least they show signs of life occasionally. As we talked about, Syracuse fans and Syracuse is probably a little overhyped. I mean, week two is, we always call it the overreaction week. So I don't think Syracuse is quite as good as we would take away from week one, but can't bet UConn ever. So I guess it has to be a stay away unless you guys like something on the total. Ryan. Yeah. Syracuse under hook them. This has, this has like 37, nothing written all over it. All right. I don't think you guys are going to believe what I'm about to say here. Uh, I looked at the Syracuse schedule. They could catch lightning in a bottle and, and win nine, 10, 11 games. It, it really sets up well for them. It's given me vibes of Pitt last year, as crazy as that sounds. They might be able to win a rock fight against Clemson somehow. When Syracuse is eventually four and seven, go back and listen to this and then realize I never know what I'm talking about. But right now, based on what I saw the first week against Louisville and how easy their schedule is, there is a path for them to win a bunch of games and make a bowl game they shouldn't get to. So be excited, Chima. Be excited, uh, whoever the hell else we went to high school with. Uh, <laughs> good luck. <laughs> did, wait, did you just forget the name of everyone we went to high school else. with except for Chima? It's you two. These two guys uh, on this podcast. That other guy and the guy who's tall. That's it. Um, Dan, when... More uh, importantly... This is more important, you know, because you've made this bold proclamation, I will make you a mayor-style bet that when Syracuse is playing in the pinstripe bowl, you need to fly out and come (laughs) to it with me. (laughs) I will freeze to death and be in the hospital. Uh, You need, uh, if they make any other uh, like low level bowl game, uh, maybe, but I can't go to New York in January or December. I will die. Dan talks about not wanting to freeze. Last time I went to the pinstripe bowl to see Syracuse against Kansas state circa 2012. It was freezing. And I had approximately six or eight of those hand warmers you use when you go skiing scattered all over my person. You know, so you get some in the front, some in the gloves, some down in the pants. Uh, at the end of the game, you know, we start walking out. Once I'm, once you're walking around, you don't really need those anymore. Your body heat keeps you warm. So I took all the hand warmers, which were still hot, and I put them in my back pocket of my jeans. And I, you know, walked around for a half hour and went and met my aunt and uncle at a restaurant in New York City. And I sat down on like eight hot hand warmers and burned my ass thanks to Syracuse <laughs> football. That's what you get. Unfortunately, Tom, I, I have no sympathy for you due so, to seeing that display of football. It's a true story, but it's also a metaphor. It is, Tom. Um, speaking of, of, uh, kind of stories, it's time for historic NIL, Syracuse, UConn. Let's talk about previous players throughout the years for these programs who might have had money in the NIL world. Many to choose from. Uh, I'll start it off. Donovan McNabb, Imodium AD, 
uh, to keep down the vomit during the game. Uh, Marvin Harrison. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. Lerner, this is a family podcast. Lerner and Rowe Law uh, out of Arizona. They're very good. Um, let's see who else we could talk about. Well, Marvin Syracuse. Graves. Marvin Graves did free ads for to wear your bike helmet, so perhaps he could have got paid <laughs> from Huffy for the like. He actually could have got some money Huffy. instead of just appearing on a poster in my doctor's office. Okay, Ryan, who you got here? Let's think. All right, let me step in. I got a couple real quick. First of all, the easy one was Dan Connolly with Tully's because after his seven years of eligibility he actually was managing a Tully's in Syracuse. Um, that was amazing. That was, so that's an easy one. Dan, I like where your mind is with Mr. Harrison, but the easy NIL sponsor was a Syracuse local staple. Did Julio's it's so much more than your army Navy store. <laughs> Very good answer. Uh, and and I think it's only right that we that we assign former coach Paul Pascaloni to be sponsored by the Yellow Store as well. Um, well Paul Pascaloni, I mean, he could sign an NIL deal with Syracuse and UConn. Yes, he can. So he's a dual rated. Uh, so what is <laughs> what is the member. worst? <laughs> so the Yellow Store definitely is the worst, most like unmarked, nondescript unremarkable store in Syracuse. What is the equivalent in Connecticut, Dan, at UConn? Hmm. What store's store is just so unremarkable that only Paul Pascaloni could represent it? Store 24. There's a store that's open 24 hours a day. It's like a knockoff gas station, 7-Eleven, but it's called Store 24. So he could be oh. represented by store 24. So you're saying it's a store that doesn't offer anything of value, but it just, it's always there. It's always open. Yeah. So that is the Paul Pascaloni store. Then it's, it doesn't give you much, yeah, but it's available. Yeah. I think that's fair. Okay. I think we're good here on NIL. Oh, I, I got a couple. I mean, I feel like we, Go ahead, Tom. I'm first sorry. off, we I haven't apologize. represented UConn. So I do feel like, uh, oh, why am I blanking? Uh, I had a good one for Dan Orlovsky. Oh yeah. Dan Orlovsky. Uh, he should sign a deal with Facebook to express all of the worst opinions loudly. <laughs> do you have a bad opinion that you feel the need to share? Hi, I'm Dan Orlovsky for Facebook. Uh, That's and then I was going to do Dan Conley for a, one of those senior living centers. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty good. Um, okay. That was pretty good. There's, there's so many more, but there's so many more lines to get to tonight. So we'll, we'll continue on USC Stanford, uh, USC minus eight total 67 and a half. USC looked pretty good against rice. Uh, you know, I know rice is not a world beater, but their offense looked amazing. They looked exciting. Don't be fooled by Stanford. Um, they still have Tanner McKee at quarterback, and you might see him pop up on mock drafts, but that team is no good at all. I'm going to lay the eight with USC confidently, and I think they're going to smack them around pretty good. Ryan? Same. USC, double digits, yep. not a problem. 
All right, moving on real quick. Arizona State at Oklahoma State. Last week, you saw uh, what happened to the Oklahoma State defense without their defensive coordinator. Central Michigan scored 44, backdoored them. Ryan, take this one away. It's uh, Oklahoma State minus 11.5, total 58. I'm just going to take the uh, 11.5. I have absolutely no confidence in Arizona State. I don't know if they can score or not. So I don't feel good about the over, regardless of what happened last week. So for me, I'm just going to take Oklahoma State minus the 11 and a half and fade Herm. Tom, any thoughts? No, I, I totally agree with your assessment. I would say Oklahoma State definitely an over team to watch this year, but not against Herm would be the caveat. So I agree. Perfect. Um. I'm going to jump in real quick and uh, to a game we, we skipped that I just want to mention. I really, really like uh, the U Miami minus 25. That's a ton of points, but Southern miss is not good. And they're coming off a loss last week four overtime loss against Liberty, like Liberty without Malik Willis. And so Southern miss, not any good. So I really, really like Miami. They're going to get out for style points. They're going to, they're going to try to score a hundred. Uh, let me jump in also then and take another one um, that I don't think Dan's going to bring up, which is uh, Wake Forest at Vandy. Uh, Wake Forest, you know, lost uh, Sam Hartwell, uh, and we all thought they were just going to not be good. And uh, turns out their backup came in and they still score a ton of points. And we've seen Vandy put up big points in a couple games. So I, I think this is a nice, fun over game early in the Hart- Hartman's cleared. He got cleared oh, to play. Is he back? Yeah, it was. Oh, a, oh, yeah, he, yeah, it was a. It was a blood clot issue, and they said that they they he got cleared. He got medically cleared. He's going to play in this game. I'm pretty sure. Uh, hey, even better. Yeah, I, my, I mean, my point was they could score without him. So if he's back, you know, he was like a Heisman sleeper this year. So yeah, I like it. Points in this game, and Vandy's got the great combination we love of a team that can score a lot of points and has a very bad defense. And, uh, Dan, if you're going to bring up Michigan, Hawaii, I'll wait. Okay. So let's send it back to Dan then. (laughs) All right, Tom, time for the lock of the week. Hawaii at Michigan, Michigan minus 51. Sounds like it's a little bit high. It is too low. Hawaii is the worst team I've seen thus far by a mile. They've been blown out twice at home by Vandy in Western Kentucky. They have no offense. They have zero defense. They've given up 120 points or something, two games at home on the island. Now they're playing a night game at Michigan. Harbaugh's going to play the entire roster, all 120 players or whatever, and Michigan's fifth stringers are still going to destroy Hawaii. Michigan's going to score 70 points. I don't think Hawaii scores 77 to three final Michigan over hook. Uh, this is, this is on, this is the bloodbath of bloodbaths. Uh, I feel bad for Hawaii. I really do. Tom. I'm glad you brought that one up. Yeah. All the stars align for this one. You already mentioned it. I, I would like to point out that um, Michigan looks pretty good again this year. Um, Cade McNamara was uh, efficient. He didn't look amazing, but you know, he looked pretty good. They got some skill players 
to kind of replace a few of the guys they lost. So looks like they're going to be a tough team to beat. We know that Harbaugh, you know, is, uh, well, I'll leave that to Ryan, but you know, he's not going to relent on this team. They're going to run the ball every play. They're going to gain like nine yards a carry and, uh, they're going to score. I think I'm going to say they punt once and score every other time. Uh, and that's my prediction. And JJ McCarthy's starting this game, but it's not going to matter, you know, because they're still going to score a lot. Uh, I would mention, you know, just for gambling purposes, we talk about the Utah window when there's like almost no space between the line and the over under, this is a pretty good window, right? I mean, it's like 51 and a half and the over under is 67 or something. So we're going to, we're going to take an over, but you know, if you want to really live on the edge and do the Michigan under bet and just go for a 63 zero final. Michigan minus 50 is a piece of cake. I know it sounds like an impossible mountain to climb, but I'm almost positive they'll be up 49 nothing at half. I don't see how they won't be. They'll score on defense. They'll score on offense. They'll probably score on special teams. It's going to be really bad. <clears throat> okay, a couple of late games to talk about. Kind of a fun late-night slate I'm excited about. Um, BYU hosts the... Team from Waco, the old Baylor Bears, BYU minus three, total 53 and a half. BYU looked awesome. They went on the road to, what, South Florida last week, and people were worried about humidity and whatnot, just like Utah against uh, Florida. And they blew out uh, South Florida. They're up 35, what are like six and a half. It's BYU minus three over number nine Baylor, total 53 and a half. Interesting line. Um, Ryan, what do you like in this one? I like the under a lot. Um, I think that BYU did look good, but I don't know if they're quite physical enough to um, to score a lot of points against Baylor's defense. I don't think Baylor is an explosive, uh, you know, Big Twelve Baylor offense. I think they're still more of a of a control the possession game uh, type of team. So for me, I know that's kind of low for college fifty three and a half, but with the elevation in Utah, that is a real, real thing. Uh, Provo is a brutal place to play for anybody. Um, that stadium's built into a mountain, like on top of a mountain. Like it's so hard to breathe up there. So I like the under in this game. Very good. Tom, you got anything on this one? No, I like what I've seen from Baylor. I think they'll compete in the Big 12, but for uh, this specific game, I got nothing. Yeah, uh, they were they were easily able to take care of Albany last week. Shocker to everybody. You mean um, Albany that produced the best defensive player <laughs> of the last weekend? Hey, touche. Also true. Got to give uh, Florida State credit for finding uh, finding him. He played amazing. Um, here's one that I like a lot: Oregon State at Fresno State. Uh, it's a pick'em, and the total sixty-one and a half. Love the over. California game. Oregon State's actually sneaky good. They they whipped Boise State last week. Boise State finally pulled Hank Bachmeyer, by the way, after three turnovers in the first quarter as a seventh-year senior. Um, Jay Kaner's back at quarterback for Fresno State last week, 36-42, two touchdowns. I think this is a game that could easily be in the 80s. Um, this is probably my favorite overplay of the whole week. 
Uh, big fan of this one late night. If you're up or down money late night, Tom, and you want to put a bet in and fall asleep, fire this, wake up in the morning and see how you did. And then last but not least, Mississippi State at Arizona. Mississippi State minus 10 points, over under 60. Arizona goes on the road and whips San Diego State. Um, they look great. Um, Ryan called that one. You know, living in Arizona, we we hear a lot of local coverage, and everything we've heard about U of A football in the past year and a half has been really positive, the exact opposite of Arizona State, to be honest with you. Um, good coaching staff, good recruits. Their quarterback's that old uh, Washington State quarterback, uh, Jacob Delora or whatever, um, Jaden Delora, whatever. Um, Mississippi State's got to come out to Tucson, Arizona to play a football game. That I know it's the SEC, but Mississippi State doesn't really act like an SEC team. They're spread with Will Rogers and all that. Um, I like the over. Again, over of 60. Not sure on the side. I lean Arizona, but I'm not sure. Uh, Ryan, what you like in this one? I like to bear down. That's right. Give me the points, man. Give me ten. Give me ten points for the home team. Home dog coming off a big win on the road. They know mm-hmm. this is the year they're going to beat their rival at the end of the year. So this is this is a great. I mean, Arizona wins this game, and they're like looking really, really good for a bowl game. And that's just a shocking, shocking thing for us to say on this podcast. Syracuse yeah. and Arizona are are setting themselves up to potentially be bowl teams. Wow. All right. What else do you guys want to talk about? You want to talk about Kid Rock? We haven't talked about him yet this year. Or uh, what, 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 what do we got going on? Oh, you know what? I am going to talk about Kid Rock. All right, real quick. So, <laughs> I didn't realize there was Kid Rock news to be had. Kind of. So there's a restaurant in Phoenix that Ryan knows. It's called The Main Ingredient, and it's like a house that's turned into like a restaurant, and they play like old school hip hop, and they got like a bunch of beers on tap and sandwiches. And I haven't been there in like, I don't know, four or five years, probably, or maybe three. It's like pre-COVID. So uh, about a week or two ago, I was with a girlfriend and said, hey, let's go out to dinner tonight. I got a spot in town. It's pretty good. Showed her the menu. We show up. It's a Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Normally, the place is pretty packed. Um, There's only like five people there. You know, it was a little strange. So I'm like, this is weird. So we sit down on the patio, which is normally a happening kind of spot. You can kind of overlook downtown Phoenix and whatnot. And the first song that I heard played, remember, this is a hip-hop lounge, was Freak on a Leash by Korn. And I said, well, that's weird. They must have incorporated something. Track two, Kid Rock. Um, what the hell fucking song was it? Oh, sorry, sorry, not not Kid Rock. Uh, Limp Biscuit. My way was track two that I heard, oh, and it no, was damn. new metal, new metal the entire meal, and I was like, what the fuck happened to this place? So I text a friend of ours that lives in the neighborhood, and said, actually the guy that made the our our intro music to the, to the show, Ty. And I said, Ty, what the hell happened to Main Ingredient? He said, they sold it. There's new ownership. That place sucks now. And that is correct because they went from like 90s hip hop, laid back stuff to new metal, same menu, half the size portions. The sandwiches used to be really big and really nice. 
Skippy on the meats. Artichoke dip was like lukewarm. And I heard Limp Bizkit. Uh, I did not hit, hear uh, Kid Rock, but this is the same genre. Um, corn, I heard P.O.D. I heard, yeah, it was it was so fucking bad. That was one of the worst restaurant experiences I've had uh, of all time. And I felt like I needed to tell you about that. That's, that is incredibly disappointing. <laughs> yeah. That was, I took my dad there when he came out to visit. Of all the places to take people in Phoenix, I was like, Dad, I'm taking you to the hip hop lounge because that's how cool this place is. Like before his our his flight back to Syracuse, I was like, we're gonna go there. And he went and he's like, This is great. Like he walked in, he's like, the whole place is just records. So it's like on all the walls framed, it's just framed records of like Moe's Death and Souls of Mischief and Heavy D and and then and now it's new metal. So, so now I Tom comes to So when do we so, go? That's what I was going to say. You beat me to it. I said, I said, so now when Tom comes, we have the perfect place to take him. So, uh, first off, I, first off, um, you guys act like this is just some sort of happenstance, but what happened is you guys got your upstate New York taint on this place and you turned it in. <laughs> you, you disgraced a formerly good restaurant that's such a great spot too because you got main ingredient you got humble pie next door which is not, not anymore bad. also closed down it's a it's a it's a mexican taco shop now and then totally across the changed. street you had the Green. first veget yeah you actually had the first vegetarian restaurant in phoenix which that's still there they're they're a staple i don't think they're going anywhere it is uh that's the last time i ever i ever go there so I mean, wow, it was, was a good run. I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to tell you guys, and I probably shouldn't say it in a public forum like this, but like, I actually bought that entire block and this is all part <laughs> of my marketing plan to make more people vegetarian and make a more sustainable planet by, you know, playing new metal at the restaurant with meat and be having everyone be like, ah, oh, fuck it. I guess we'll go vegetarian. <laughs> Just real quick. Since, since last week, I, I um, actually saw um, I saw Chris Rock stand up, which was very good for the first time. And um, he talked about the Will Smith incident. And I'm going to spoil some things because you aren't allowed to bring a cell phone in there. But he said that um, he was undersized first Will Smith and he didn't want to fight Muhammad Ali because he played Ali. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess that's a good spot to wrap it up. We're about that time. Uh, enjoy the games. It's one of those weekends where it doesn't look great on paper, but we know how those go. That always produces the seven overtime games and the ones you love to watch. So everybody enjoy. We'll be back next week with uh, more new metal talk and uh, a few college football picks as well. Good night.